in a moment of honesty, the preacher's wife came to her husband and said, Honey, I have kept no secret from you all of these days. Well, they were just off from seminary, uh, not too long in the ministry, and one day she said, I have kept this box away, hidden away from you, and if you ever come across it, I don't want you to peek in it. Um, It's private. And the husband, the preacher, said, was not happy about the secret that the wife had kept for all these years. Well, that evening, the wife went to a Bible study, a ladies' Bible study, mind you. He was upset, terrified. Why would she keep this secret away from him all these years? And he decided to go look for that box. He found the box. It was uh, tucked away underneath the bed, and it had, it had uh, created some dust over the, the weeks, I guess. And he wiped the dust off and looked in it. And behold, he found... Um, three eggs and $2,000 inside. Was shocked by this discovery, didn't know what to do, was distraught, was upset. I mean, fear began to uh, come over him, and he was angry. So he went downstairs, sat in his chair, folded his arms, and waited for his wife to come home like this. You've been there, haven't you? His wife came home, saw the house a wreck, And he said, honey, I found the box that you have kept away from me all these years. Yes. Didn't I tell you not to open it up? I opened it up, and I found three eggs and $2,000 inside. What are these three eggs for? Well, every time you preached a bad message, I would place an egg in the box. Well, what are the $2,000 for? Every time I had a dozen, I would sell them. Um, Decisions that you make. Um, can be shattered. Um, We come to this text today in 1 Samuel chapter 25. There are some decisions that are made. The outcomes are going to be different for each. And I invite you to open there if you haven't done so already. Um, We're going to look at some uh, decisions. And I really would like to think about these decisions with the eye of wisdom and folly. That seems to be the heart of where this text is going. I'll touch on a couple other sub-themes that are important, uh, both relationally, as we've talked about last week, but we'll touch on it here in a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 25, shall we pray as we open our time up in um, honoring God as we listen to his word. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity again to sit, to listen, to worship, Uh, and now we worship by listening and responding. Uh, to the message. So may my words be clear, may they be honest, may they be forthright, may the Spirit of God might convict us and might we leave different changed uh, toward things that we need to do even today. Lord, we pray for um, our kids below, pray for the workers as they rehearse and go through that particular ministry opportunity uh, of presenting a play, and uh, might you... um, just provide a time of help, a help and a time of um, worship as well, of going through the Christmas story. Uh, again, Lord, uh, direct our thoughts and our attention in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we learn in First Samuel chapter 25, that it seems that the heart of this chapter, and really the, the last several, uh, as you look through here in First Samuel, is David as the spot 
character for us to consider. And David has been making some calculated decisions that have been impacting his relationships with people. And so we want to focus more particularly today on decisions that you make, things that can um, interrupt those relationships and really cause um, some mishaps in uh, our life. And each one of us can remember a time where we have decided some good decisions and then we've decided some bad decisions. Maybe it was a financial decision that the outcome wasn't good and we are still paying that off um, here today. Maybe the decision was good. Maybe it was a thoughtful, well-considered plan. You thought through it, you planned it out, and today you have reaped uh, the blessing of God on your life. And and sometimes even the, the calculated, planned-out decisions are not always good because then God takes us through a different um, trial and tribulation, times of testing to test our faith so that we might produce joy. And so today here is we have three characters that namely uh, produce some decisions for us and uh, focusing particularly on this term wisdom and folly. The collision of wisdom and folly. You know anybody who is a fool? You know anybody who's stupid? Uh, We were at uh, a movie theater uh, not too long ago watching uh, Charlie Brown. uh, Go see that. It was a Peanuts uh, movie. And, um, you know, in Charlie Brown, they they, the characters always call you dumb or you're stupid. Uh, Lucy says that a lot. Or blockhead. And one of the kids, a little kid in the, in the uh, movie theater, shouted out as one of the, I think it was Lucy that says, you're stupid, Charlie Brown. In our house, we don't say stupid. I mean, he shouted it out in the whole movie theater. But this text is all about stupid. I mean, uh, Nabal is the, one of the main characters outside of David and Abigail. Uh, Nabal in Hebrew means foolish, and he comes from the tribe of the Calebites, and Calebites, if, uh, by the way, don't name your child Caleb. Sorry, if someone's Caleb here, that means your means your dog in Hebrew. Caleb means, Caleb in Assyrian, in Hebrew means dog. And so uh, now he's named Nabal, which means a fool. So mom and dad name their son a foolish dog. Okay, uh, or doggish fool is another way of looking at it. So you know any fools? You know any stupid people? You know any, or maybe just dumb it down some more. You know any ignorant people who've made some decisions? You're like, I knew they were going to do that. They shouldn't have done it. Uh, I, I gave them wisdom. I told them, I gave them choices that they could make, and, and they have made um, some foolish decisions. Now, I've made some foolish decisions in my life. I remember when I was getting out of the um, uh, end of school, I was driving one of my parents' vehicles. It had just rained. I was going too fast. That was a decision I made, right? And I tried to stop, and there was a lady in front of me, and I smacked her to kingdom comes. The car went flying. The van didn't. It just, just stayed right there. Very limited. I crushed the car. I crushed it. Um, that was her third accident that week. I felt bad for her. Um, but I got a ticket, a $75 ticket, and she got put in the, on the stretcher to the hospital. I mean, and all I remember my dad showing up, he's like, what were you thinking? 
what were you thinking? I said, well, I was driving too fast. Um, learn, lesson learned, right? And so here is a foolish man, and we enter into um, this text. And so I want you to think about wisdom and folly and the collision of like two cars coming together. Wisdom and folly. Being smart, not just being smart, but being wise in the Lord and being dumb. Okay, And those two things, those two concepts coming together like a car crashing on a road. And wisdom will always triumph over being foolish. I want you to hear that today. Wisdom will always triumph over being a fool. A fool will be pointed out very quickly and easily as you see them making um, uh, deliberate decisions that are not based on wise words. So today, please write this down. Today, I want you to be a wise Abigail in a naval foolish world. Can you write that down somewhere? I would really like you to be a wise Abigail in a naval foolish world. I'm doing a wordplay there. Nabal means what? Fool. Nabal is a fool. Abigail is a person, and if we want to do a wordplay here also, Abigail means my father is rejoicing. So if you want to be a wise Abigail, you want who to rejoice? your father. Be a wise Abigail in a naval, foolish uh, world. And when you think about that, you'll be able to understand kind of where this text is going today and will be helpful for us. So the first thing I want you to consider today is wisdom displayed during very difficult circumstances. Wisdom displayed during very difficult circumstances. Beginning at verse 1, Samuel is now dead. You're like, it's an abrupt part here in this chapter. Samuel is now dead. Why bring this up? Samuel is the prophet. He's a friend of who? Friend of David. He is David's mentor in the faith, if you can think in that terms. Here is Samuel who has been been advocating and, and preaching, proclaiming the words of the Lord and about how the king should run the affairs of the nation, and the nation is not re- listening to Samuel's words. And Samuel is also having his own spiritual issues in his life, which we all do, which we will all face, and we'll go through our, our, our calculated decision, and sometimes we'll, we'll make a choice that will ultimately bring praise to God, and sometimes we'll make a decision that will bring um, grieving, will grieve the heart of God, and we will be a fool like Nabal. Be a wise Abigail. Be a wise Abigail in a Nabal foolish world, and God will honor you. God will bless you. And when we see this wisdom displayed during difficult circumstances, verse 1, Samuel died, and all of Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in the house of Ramah. Remember this, that not all of Israel really liked Samuel's words. But Samuel walked with the Lord. And we're told that Eli, in the first beginning chapters of 1 Samuel 3, it is Eli who teaches Samuel how to listen to the Lord. Don't forget this. Even even a person who doesn't do things right can still teach us some spiritual truths. And it's here Eli teaches Samuel. If, If you hear the Lord say to you, again, it is the Lord, and say what? Here am I. What profound words. We should go back and look at those. Very profound words from Eli, the prophet, um, the priest, who comes and says, if you hear, if you hear it again, it is the Lord who's speaking. And say, here 
am I? I'm here. Samuel, Lord, would you speak? Lord, here I am. Wisdom displayed during difficult circumstances. Then verse 3. Now the name of the man was Fool, and the name of his wife was My Father is Rejoicing. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Wisdom displayed during very difficult circumstances. We have a funeral in verse 1. Wisdom seeks after the heart of God. Samuel is now dead. But wisdom is discernment, and folly is disobedience. Listen to those words again. Wisdom is discernment, and folly is disobedience. What is Nabal? Nabal is a what? He's a fool. He was harsh and badly behaved. Uh, You know anyone who's badly behaved? Well, that's my student in my classroom. For some of you who are teachers, badly behaved. Ruly. Unruly is another way of saying it. Badly behaved is, uh, and uh, you know, I have, we have many of those uh, in our world. Uh, they go to prison if they're badly behaved and they get caught, right? They're badly behaved. Look at us. He says, he says he was harsh. What a terrible husband to be married to, ladies. Did you write that down? Here it is. My father is rejoicing. A beautiful wife, intelligent, marries a stupid husband. Wow, just pick up the newspaper and we see a lot of that. So here's some some pastoral counseling here for today, okay? Ladies, do not marry a stupid husband. So if you're young today and you're thinking about getting married, so I was hoping our teenagers would be up here because they need to hear this. Young ladies, don't marry deadbeat husbands. That's really what's going on in this text. He's, this is what's happening. We know that in Middle Eastern culture that the marriages are arranged, but that would give wisdom to the father of Abigail. He shouldn't have signed uh, Nabal as the future husband. It's a messy situation. And so this is why I say wisdom in very difficult circumstances. What do you do when you are faced with this as a wife whose husband, according to 1 Peter, is an unbeliever and is treating uh, her with disrespect and not with honor? The Bible says that the woman is to honor God by winning her husband um, with, with, with respect and and win them without the word. I mean, that's a hard place to be. And this is my other suggestion then, beyond Scripture. This is just some good, good wisdom coming out. We really need to guide our young people in this respect. Um, Better to watch them now and see how they're acting now because you'll be able to see whether they will be that in the future. This is why young ladies need to watch out for those young men. Are they walking with God or are they not walking with God? Just because they look nice and they look handsome doesn't mean they're going to be a godly husband in the future. Amen? And, and let's just flip it the other way. Just because she is beautiful and good-looking doesn't mean she's a godly woman of Proverbs 31. That's what it seems to be here. Here is Abigail. My father is rejoicing, but Nabal is a fool. So be a wise Abigail. Be a wise Abigail in a what? 
in a naval foolish world, and God will open the doors of his blessing upon you, and he will direct you and direct your steps. We see that's going on in this text because it is at the end that God honors Abigail at the very end of this chapter. You're like, wow. And we'll also look at some sin there as well. But let's look at what God does in the life of Abigail toward the end. So wisdom displayed during difficult times. So we see that the woman was what? Discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. He was a stupid dog. My dad has a stupid dog. Um, yes, you, we, we had a lot of stupid dogs in our Badal household when we were growing up. Uh, and that's just my dad would say, that's stupid dog. Stupid dog. And I think it would be, it would just catch on. We never called it certain, well, we had different names, but his name was always stupid. He didn't like dogs, and he still doesn't like dogs, yet he has a dog. And that dog is not so smart. Uh, I remember one time I went to go do some stuff at my parents' house, and the dog was sleeping on its back with legs up. And I came in, I said, well, you're supposed to be a watchdog, and you're still sleeping there. That's a stupid dog. Uh, anyone can uh, do it. But look at what's going on here. Calebites that were doggish in their personality. They, they, you couldn't expect, but you know, they were, they were, they were very strong, and strength came out of them. They were ready to, like David, go to battle. Uh, Caleb was one of the twelve spies that goes out and spies out the land. You can read that in Joshua. And so we have these doggish-like characters, and Nabal's part of this lineage. He is a fool. But yet, look at this. He is also a man who is a fool, but very, very, very rich. Mm, That's even worse. Um, Some of you like um, Donald Trump. I won't name you because I see it on Facebook. Some of you say, I'm voting for Donald Trump. Um, He's foolish, by the way. Yet he's smart. See, I don't like those types of people. He, he speaks out of his foolishness at times, and then he's very, very smart. Now, you pick him. Uh, you decide uh, come November. And uh, so this is kind of how I say Here's a rich man that God has blessed, that God has given lands. He's given 3,000 sheep. He's given 1,000 goats. I mean, everything is, is lock-synced in going well for him. All the gears are moving. God has blessed him. It is like the rich farmer who's a pagan, and God has shone down his blessing of rain and sun on the, on the crops, and he gains a hundredfold. But then there's that farmer who gets nothing, and he's plotted along all the whole year. He's made sure he's tilled the, the, the ground, and yet at the end of his harvest, he gains very, very, very little. But the one who doesn't believe in God is blessed, right? See? And here it is, this fool, this fool who treats his wife horribly, and wisdom during very difficult circumstances needs to be modeled in these respects. And so the author of, of this book, we, name, we think it's Samuel, writes these words to, to gather our thoughts around. Here he is, a woman was discerning and beautiful, and here is a man who's treating the woman harshly and badly, and he was a Calebite, but yet he was rich, and he had much possessions and employees or servants. A fool is a person who does not honor God. Psalm 53 says, a fool says in their heart, there is what? 
there is no God. That's an atheist, right? A fool says, that's Richard Dawkins. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. So what's the state of Nabal's spirituality? He doesn't believe in who? He doesn't believe in God. And so this here lies what we have. We have this text here, and David sent ten young men, and he waited. And this is a wise part of David. David is a wise man. He waits um, for when? Look at the text. Don't miss it as you read it. On your own. Even later today, I'll touch on it a little bit. He waits till when? David waits until the harvest. He waits until the, the sheep are ready to be sheared. Normally, it's at the end of the season. He waits. He waits because uh, this is the time to, to, to approach those who have the, the riches, have the blessing. And instead of causing more hardship for Nabal, he comes at the point and the peak of the harvest and says, okay, men, go find out if Nabal will give you some food and provide for your well-being. We've been protecting him from Saul's men. We've been, we've been keeping the, sh- the shepherds safe at night. Go find out if Nabal will be hospitable or not. Will he be gracious? Will he be generous of heart and give us what we need? And so they do. They go and they meet up with Nabal. And they say, Nabal, David has sent us to be, to be here. We, we've protected you. We've cared for you. We've done everything we needed to do. Will you give us something to eat? And Nabal comes out. He says, who's David? <laughs> Can you just hear this? A rich man. Who's David? David, King David. I don't know any David. It's David. It's the son of Jesse. Who's that? Foolish words come out, number two. Wisdom and folly collide. It's like two cars on a highway. I always like to want to be one of those testers, you know, for Chevy or Dodge or, you know, these commercials they show on TV where, they have the car going 100 miles an hour, and it's going to hit a wall, and you have the two dummies in the car, and they want to see whether the car is going to be safe or not. You wouldn't just like to be the tester on that? Just like watch that car and write down what you see and observe. This is like wisdom and folly colliding at this moment in time. Nabal, he's a fool already, right? Who is what? Who is David? He knows who David is. Who is the son of Jesse? Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse that there are many servants these days? So he says, are breaking away from their master, verse 10. And verse 11, he says, shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? Lots of arrogance. Fools speak with lots of arrogant words. Look at the text, verse 3, or verse 11. He says, shall, circle I, 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 my, my, my. You see those personal pronouns? How arrogant is Nabal at this point in time? I, I, my, my. What is he arguing about? Everything I have, I'm not giving to David. Who's David? Who's son of Jesse? He's but a mere servant. Many, many, many servants are leaving their masters these days. Who's, who's David? Remember the song that people were singing about David? David has done what? David has killed his what? 
his ten thousands. This is the song that they're singing amongst Israel. David has killed his ten thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. Okay, so, so that's kind of the song going on. And, and, and you know it's reached the fool's heart. The fool doesn't want um, David around. He wants his own material possessions. That's what a fool is. So a fool lacks giving honor to the king. He lacks a generous heart. He refuses to give of his, of, his, of his fruit, of his harvest, to those who have provided safety in the land and provided safekeeping during the night's watch. He is this individual who is a fool. A fool takes his gifts and puts it in his wallet and keeps it and doesn't give to another. That's a fool. A fool is a person who says there is no God. Be wise as an Abigail in a Nabal foolish world. Wisdom and folly collide at this moment in time. And this makes David literally mad. <laughs> you like it? How many have gotten mad lately? You ever talked to a fool and that got you mad? I got mad on my way to church a little bit. This car didn't turn signals on. Um, you say, well, why would you get angry at that? Because I almost hit him. Okay? I'm like, oh! Now, I'm not like David in this text. Look at the text. He's ticked. That's a good word today. I don't like using that word, but he is upset. He is not happy. Why? Because Nabal, the fool, says, Who is David? (laughs) Who's David? Who's the son of Jesse? He's a nobody. I have what? What do I have? I have my goats. I have my sheep. I have my land. I have my servants. I have everything I need. I even have my wife that I don't treat well. Who is David? Well, look at the text. So here is David. He gets upset. Chapter 25, verse 12 through 13. So David's young men turned away and came back and told all this. And David said to the men, strap it up, boys. Let's go. Get on the horse. We're going to beat up some fool today. We're going to go do some clobbering. And he said it in a nice way. Strap up your sword. Men, let's go kill a fool. That's another way of saying it. And you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. I, uh, I love um, the riflemen on TV. How many like the riflemen? Uh, it's on Saturday morning, so you have to wake up really early and, and, and you know, watch it. And McCain always gets his man, right? His gun gets going. And um, I just, I love it. He's, he's the winner. David is always the winner in verse Samuel, it seems. In so many respects, when it comes to battle, David is a warrior. And he likes beating up people. He likes it. Remember, not too long ago, I preached a sermon in uh, Colossians, and I, I, I mentioned that I, I like violence. I like, you know, I like when people bump each other around. It's just David is that kind of a gladiator, bumps people around. And here it is. He's like, men, boys, saddle up now. What's going to go? We're going to go beat up a fool. Well, how many men show up? 400 men strapping with their swords to go clobber a fool. You don't mess with David. As a matter of fact, you don't mess with God's appointed leader. And if you do, you're a fool <laughs> in many regards. Now, you're going to say, well, is, is David right to do this? No, he's not wise. 
God didn't command him here to go and strap up the swords and take his 400 and gallied up down the, 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 the wilderness toward, toward Nabal's house and clobber him. Didn't ask of that. And, uh, you know, what would happen if he did? What happened at the end of the story, we see a bloodshed of people like it happened in the city of Nod, where Doag, the, the, the Edomite, comes and he also slashes and dices 85 priests in the city, plus all of the family and possessions that they have. He just literally does a massacre. He wasn't asked to do that. He was only asked to kill um, Elimelech, the high priest, and he goes and he does more. It's a vengeful response here in verse 12 through 13 because David is pushed toward anger. Please write this down. And when you're pushed to anger, you are a fool. When you become angry and you're aroused to anger, you don't think rightly at that point in time. You're not behaving rightly. You're, you're acting ra- irrationally and, and you're out of control. And so I'm asking you today, don't be David in this part of, of the scene here. Don't be a what? A Nabal in a foolish world. Be an Abigail who's wise. You're like, well, how wise is she? Very wise. She sees this coming. She finds out. She knows. She's a discerner of, of her husband's heart, of her husband's foolishness. She, he, she sees all that she has. She's been mistreated by her husband. But she knows these 400 men, they're coming, and they're going to cause destruction, and I don't want to be here when they show up. That's a wise woman. Get out of Dodge as quick as you can. And so what does she do? She gathers up. Um, the, the provisions that David had requested of Nabal, the fool, who decided, I'm not, who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse that I should give my meat, my bread, my things to him? If he wants to come, let him come. Commentators record that maybe it's Nabal here that wants a fight. And David realizes this. David realizes that, okay, you want to fight? Fine. Let's, let's fight. Let's, let's brawl here. Men, strap up your what? Strap up. I like the King James. Strap up your guards. Gird your loins. <laughs> you can just imagine men getting ready, you know, getting beefed up, ready to go. They're ready to fight. So David is. And I'm asking you, be wise as an Abigail in a naval foolish world. And wisdom seeks alternatives here. Wisdom moves the individual to seek a different way out. And that's what Nabal does. Verse 14. But one of the young men told Nabal, uh, Abigail's Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he rallied at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. Verse 16. And they were... were um, to, were a wall to both of us by night and by day, all while we were with them keeping sheep. And therefore know this, and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. He is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Verse 18, look at what Abigail does. Abigail made haste. Underline that. What did she do? She made haste took 200 loaves, 
two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared, five seeds of parched grain, and a hundred cluster of raisins. And you can keep reading. She made what? A wise woman. What does she do? She makes haste. She realizes David's coming. The boys are coming to, to rough up Nabal. We're, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here when bloodshed begins to, um, to show up. I'm going to get out of here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show homage. I'm going to pay homage to the, the, the God-ordained king of Israel. And you can see now in this text that, that Nabal, the fool, is very, very rich. You're like, well, how did she get all these provisions together in such a short time? The dude was rich. The dude had it all. He had everything prepared. And so she gets it all together. I like this. She made haste. A wise woman makes haste. She doesn't just sit there and be lazy like a lazy bum. Remember I said, uh, ladies, don't marry a bum. Don't, la- don't marry a lazy bum. We get a sign of that in Nabal's life. He's a fool. He's a lazy bum. You're like, well, he's rich. Well, he's a lazy bum because he treats his wife horribly. That's my interpretation. That's Joel's interpretation right here. He's a lazy bum. He's a good-nothing husband. Okay, and God's judgment will fall on him, we see, because of his ill treatment of his wife. And you know what? And let's tell you this right now. There are a lot of men who treat their, their, their wives terribly. Shame on us. Shame on us. God's judgment will fall on us husbands who don't treat and shepherd our wives with grace and mercy and care. Um, we need to teach our daughters to be discerning, discerning about who they will marry. You have a part in that, fathers. Sorry for the side note, but that's another sub-application here in this text. She's put into a very difficult circumstance, and yet wisdom and folly now collide together, and we have this uh, predicament for um, the reader. So what does Abigail do? Well, wisdom, number three, sees beyond a person's Error. She realizes in verse 14 that her husband is a fool and has made some serious um, mistakes. And so Abigail, verse 18, he, she hurries along. She gets all the preparations that are needed uh, to maybe, maybe spoil a potential massacre that Doak has just done in the previous chapter. But now David is going to mount up with his men and clobber the whole family. I mean, just put the end, Nabal's whole family. Take Put it to end. This is what, is what she does. She spoils the opportunity for David to make an unwise decision, one that is not commanded by God in this text to go and take care of um, Nabal. And I'll, I'll show you why. I think it's important for you to know. Why, where do I get that from? Where, um, because it's at the end of the chapter that David says, the Lord has avenged my name. When God says in Romans chapter 12, I will repay, says the Lord, I will do it. Don't take evil into your own hands. Don't take the sword in your own hands. Now, there's a time to bear the sword. There's a time not to bear the sword. And for David, this was not the time to bear the sword. It was for God to honor the king. Who is this what? Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? He took it to heart. God will avenge David's name. He has. He'll do it again. 
And so what do we see here? Well, so Abigail hurried and took her loaves and her bread or raisins. I mean, this is an a, a, a extravagant display of hospitality and generosity that she unleashes upon David, the anointed king of Israel. God uses her wisdom to spoil a war. And wisdom deals with the problem right at hand. Verse 23, when, David saw, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey, fell before David on her face, and bowed to the ground. Why is she doing this? I mean, she's bringing her possessions, all that David was asking, would you provide for my troops? Would you provide for my men? Nabal says no, but Abigail's response, yes. Here are your cakes, here are your raisins, here are your bread, here are the sheep that you need to eat. Why does she show homage? Because she's in fear that David and his 400 will what? Will take over and kill everyone in sight. Wisdom makes you humble when you have it, and you realize that there is great immediate harm that will take place. Notice her statements. Notice her statements in verse 28. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Well, she's very prophetic here. What does she say about David? She's, she's, David is her Lord, and, and her ho- his house will surely be blessed. Look at the words. Don't miss it. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. She's including her husband in there as well. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. What Lord? Yahweh, God, Adonai, the Lord of creation will do what to David's house? Is the promise that has been forever and ever and will go into eternity as we understand it. And this is what we celebrate in Christmas, right? That Jesus will come and he'll come from the line of David. And David's throne, David's throne will last for when? Ever and ever. And who sits on it? Jesus Christ will sit on it for all eternity. And so here Abigail's wise words come out. Where did she get this from? I think through personal discipleship in her own life, the realization that as she looks at at her own circumstances and she sees where the nation of Israel is at, she comes to grips with the holiness of God in her life and says, surely this is the king of Israel that God has ordained. Her statements display very, very profound faith here and assurance of the coming king to come. And who is that? Jesus the coming king. Well, notice what else these wise, these wise Abigail words. Okay, so what happens? If the men rise up, verse 29, pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. She is pleading on the covenant-keeping God of Israel. Don't miss it. It's very similar to Hannah's prayer as she's offering up Samuel um, to the Lord uh, when he was born. Lord God, the God of Israel, the God of his covenant, the God of his promises. Verse 32, and David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. He's giving us insight that the plan, boys, let's strap it up now. Let's go get us a fool. Let's go kill us a fool. David stops. He no longer has anger in his belly to make war. 
He now has peace. And he used a woman to make him stop and pause that the God who is Lord of all and Lord of this kingdom will surely avenge even David's own reputation to secure it. And so what happens here? Verse 39, And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord God who has avenged, circle that, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal. Wow. Boys, strap it up. Strap it up, boys. Let's go kill us a fool. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to be a wise Abigail in a what? In a Nabal foolish world. And when you do this, number four happens for you. Number four. Wisdom proclaims the gospel. And folly shows us the sinful heart of man. Wisdom comes from the Lord. We're told that if you lack wisdom, what happens? You, the Christian, are to pray for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, you're to ask who? You're to ask God who gives it generously without finding fault. And praise the Lord when you lack wisdom, which is a lot of days of our lives. You're to ask God who gives it how? He gives it generously. And many of us need to pray some more about that. Many of us need to pray, Lord, I don't understand this situation. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to make the decision today. Because if I make it in haste, boys, let's strap up a what? Let's gird up our loins. Let's, let's go make war. We're going to go kill us a fool. Some of you might respond in that way. And when you do, you will allow God's judgment to fall in your life. And God says, be an Abigail. Be a wise Abigail. Don't be a fool. Don't be a Nabal. Because that's how, the, that's how the world operates today. Repay evil for evil. He slaps me, I slap him. He kicks me, I kick him. He runs me off the car, I kill him. But that's the response. When you lack wisdom, ask God. Wisdom is God's hidden mystery, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says. It is God's hidden mystery. Wisdom is the glory of the gospel through Jesus Christ our Lord. All the wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. What a beautiful statement in Colossians. All of the wisdom. You want wisdom? You want wisdom? You got milk? You want wisdom? Get Christ's wisdom. And when you embrace the gospel... You get wisdom. And yes, you need to ask for wisdom at the same time. So how do you get wisdom? How do you become a Abigail, a wise Abigail, in a Nabal foolish world? Pray for it. Uh, Let me give you another one. Uh, Walk with some smart, humble people. Not dumb people. Don't hang around the Nabals in your life. Nables will get you in the wrong place. They might, they might throw a good party every once in a while. Um, they might give you some gifts every once in a while. But Nables will lead you into more heartache and more pain and more problems. Get around some people who are smart, intelligent, and I preface this here today, who walk humbly with their God. Be a wise Abigail who realizes that her husband is a fool 
And I need to do something about it. I need to provide some provisions for it. And let, let me give you another one. Biblical wisdom is not always equal to the world's wisdom. Did you hear me on that? Biblical wisdom is not always equal to the world's wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 speaks, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. That's true, that's me. I mean, all the schooling I've received over the years, some people might say, oh, my goodness, and you're in Christian ministry? You ought to be, you know, making triple figures here. I'm not. Because worldly wisdom sees things from a different point of view than biblical wisdom. So biblical wisdom may not always be equal then to worldly wisdom. And stay humble about it. Abigail shows us humility of heart. She bows before David. She gives the gifts. And, and God then blesses this, um, this situation. Nabal dies. In uh, verse 38, we see it about 10 days later, the Lord struck down Nabal and he died. He died. He what? He died. Who won? God won. God. He avenges David's name. And he stops a war from breaking out through a wise woman. And I think in many ways we have Proverbs 31 because of this. Uh, in many ways, the story is very reflective here. Abigail, mirrored to the Proverbs 31, very wise woman whom, whom God uses. Now, there's some other issues here in the text. You're like, well, uh, you know, not days after uh, Abigail, husband's now dead. What are we going to do with this land? Now David acquires another wife, and that's a whole other sermon in itself. Why does David have so many wives? Because he's, a, he's, he's not walking with God in that area of being a one-woman Man, you hear me on that? He's not walking with the Lord in that area of his life. He says, well, some of these, you know, these Middle Easterns are, in these texts of Scripture, have many, many wives, and, and yet God will judge them for their actions. But let me just say this. Here it is. David takes, takes Abigail as his wife, and the Lord, I think in many ways, there's an underlying blessing here. He, he is a jerk, right? He's a dumb person. He's a foolish man. And yet David shows to us a what? A person who's also wise under the mighty hand of God. He's a man after God's own heart. And why not be married to a man after God's own heart than a foolish, doggish type character? Be an Abigail in a what? In a Nabal, foolish world. Learn from Abigail's decisions and they will change your life. Pray for wisdom. Ask God, and he will give it to you. Walk with smart and humble people, and they will help you make wise decision. Know that biblical wisdom may not always be equal to the worldly wisdom that is offered to us. And lastly, stay humble underneath the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time.